0: First Peter 3 8 through 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you are called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. You guys can be seated. I want to dismiss our school-age kids at the back. I see Miss Robin back there. Uh good morning. Oh my voice cracked. Here we go. Uh we're gonna be in First Peter three as uh Mr. Daniel just read. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. In case you don't know, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm thrilled to be with you guys uh this morning. We've been in the book of First Peter for I guess a few months now. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. A few months. And there is this um, Peter's writing to a people who are just going through hard things. They are going through lots of suffering, uh, persecution. They're displaced. It's, it's a hard season of life for these people. So he's writing them to really encourage them and give them some handles on how to walk through the hard things. And uh, Luke and Reynolds have been preaching the past few weeks. and. He has been had these different focuses. He focused on these uh, servants and slaves of how to kind of walk through their lot in life. And he turned to, to wives uh, and told them how to kind of walk with difficult husbands. And he talked to husbands on how to walk with their wives in an honoring way. But here in verse eight, we see it in the first word. He says, finally, all of you. So this is like is reading this is for everybody reading the letter. And he writes, and we're gonna be in about 14 verses today and we have some fun verses today as well that'll be really interesting to walk through. But kind of the the main idea that um, Peter is giving these readers and for us today is this phrase that I say a thousand times, hard things can be good things. Hard things can be good things. Um, Luke gave me this text to preach and he kind of gave me a little outline and kind of the the theme of the verse and I saw that hard things can be good things. And I chuckled because that's like the theme of our household. Um, And here is, as you study this passage and as you read this, as you just kind of look at scripture as a whole, hear this church, hard things, suffering um, are impossible to escape. I know some of you in this room right now today are walking through some kind of a hardship or suffering and you're here and you're barely here, right? There's no smiles, there's no energy. There's this sense of just the world is on you and you feel the weight of the world. I believe today that Peter and through Jesus, there is good news for us today. Hard things in life are impossible to escape. In a sense, we live in a very unique time um, in, in the history of the world, as far as Christians go, that we live a relatively peaceful, normal life as a Christian. For most of the history of our faith, persecution and suffering was the norm. We are the outlier in this whole story but we do see some embers of hardship. We're seeing our faith moved away from the center of culture onto the edges. And on some level, our faith is even turning into a place where we are looked down upon for our faith. And when we walk through these kind of hard things, whether it's persecution of our faith, whether it's a broken wrist, whether it's a flat tire, whether it's a bill, what, we tend to have one of three reactions. Some of my friends in this room right now, they'll, they'll go through a hard thing or, or someone will give them the cousin at Thanksgiving, will talk about their Christian faith. And this person will reach across the table and murder their cousin. They are ready to fight. If there's a hard thing, if there's persecution, if there's something going wrong, they are ready to fight. I'm not that person, Um, I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. And so um, there's this sense though, that they're ready to fight. But some people, they live in fright all the time of the hard thing that might come. They save money. They get uh, security, I'm not, those things aren't wrong. Eh, Not wrong. They get security systems, they get all the warranties and they, because I don't want any hard things to come because I'm so afraid of the hard things. It's not me either. And some, when they see the hard things, they just flight. They just like, I'm fine, that's me. Just ignore the hard thing. It's not really hard, God is good. You just gotta move over it, move past it, ignore it. And all three of those things prevent a hard thing from becoming a good thing. So church, hear this today. As you walk through hard things, as you walk through suffering, as you walk through sickness, as you walk through whatever the world might throw at you, hear this, it is possible to walk and live and jump and play with real joy in the midst of hard things. Let's not be okay with the status quo of the world. The history of our faith, the forefathers of our faith are men and women who persevered with joy in the midst of suffering. But walking, walking through hard things with joy that become good things requires something of us. They require the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, to permeate all of our life. And all of our life's a bit broad. So here's what I really mean we, as a follower of Jesus, to grow in his likeness, to walk in joy in the midst of hard, the gospel must permeate, absorb our head, our heart. In our hands. That's what transformation looks like. See, our hearts, as the, as the gospel permeates our hearts, we tend to love what Jesus loved. Our hearts are broken for what Jesus has broken. When the gospel really activates our hands, we begin to do what Jesus actually did. And when the gospel renews our mind, we begin to think in the way that Jesus thought. But the problem with many of us today is that we're lopsided, right? We have some thinkers in the room, that's not me. We have some doers in the room, that's not me either, really. We have some hearts, some lovers in the room, that's kind of me right there. It's like, I see the world through feelings. I'm sorry, I do. Inside Out, right? It's a great movie because all the feelings. I love Pixar movies. We just cry the whole time. It's good, but we tend to be lopsided. And when we're lopsided, we go through a hard thing. The people who only let the gospel absorb their mind, they will only give answers that make the mind happy, right? Or us feelers, we just feel something, but we don't change the way we act. Or, or our doers might do something, but doing it in an unloving kind of way. But it's possible that gospel can permeate all of us. For us to walk through hard things as good things, the gospel must be real in our hearts, our hands, and our head. Let's turn to our passage. Let's look at verse eight. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, man, what a joy it is to be here uh, to open your word. Father, I ask that your spirit would move right now. Where there is opposition, Father, would you... Overcome, remove distraction, remove objection, give us ears to hear. You're good to us, Father. We love you, I promise you your name, amen. First Peter 3.8, our friend Peter says this, finally all of you, so everybody listen, have unity of mind, have sympathy, Brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. So you see here in verse eight. We good? Okay. That mic. See, hard things can be good things, guys. We on? Check check. Okay, there we go. We good this morning? little summary. Are we good? We good? with a, a little jumping jacks to wake up a little bit. I will do it. I might hurt myself, but here we go. Here we go. So we see here in verse eight, I want you to see this as Peter is giving these instructions, this exhortation on how to walk through hard things. He starts first with the posture of the heart. Cause you see a unity of mind, sympathy, love, a tender heart, a humble mind. We must live from this posture of our heart being changed. These are virtues that must mark the life of a follower of Jesus if they're gonna walk through this world of persecution. And so the question is, what is the thing that unifies the mind? What promotes love? what gives us a tender heart, what makes us humble. There's one thing friends, it's not us doing good things. It's not us knowing all the things. It's one thing, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what m- brings us humility. It's what, what, what makes us kind and patient and forgiving and merciful. When I was on my break and Luke was preaching, I cannot get past the illustration. I'm gonna tell it to you again, you need to hear it again. Listen, practicing our faith without grace is like playing baseball without a ball. It simply does not work, church. And too many times the reason our hearts are not changed is because we're playing the Christian game without the ball, which is the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the only reason we play. Without the ball, you can't play, or it's a really weird game. And a lot of times the church is a really weird game. Without grace, what are we doing? See, a person, and you, you've met this person, right? They could be cut off in traffic. They could be like really like criticized. They can go through a, a, a hard thing and they had that smile, right? They, they shave their head when they have chemotherapy and they're smiling as they do this. That is a person whose heart was captured by something greater than this world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If our heart is not touched by the gospel, we can know the things, we can do the things, but a hard heart prevents the right response and the right posture. Go to Luke 7 real quick, if you don't mind. In Luke 7, it's this great picture that Jesus gives us of what true grace and mercy and this response from the heart can look like. So there is this woman Um, we'll just call her a sinner. And she brings this and she comes to this home of these Pharisees, these people who know the things and sometimes do the good things, but have hearts that are far away from God. And this sinful woman takes this expensive oil, this flask of ointment and she just pours it on Jesus to worship him, to honor him, to love him. And these leaders like, Jesus, do you know what is happening? And, like, she's a sinner and she's doing these things. Do you know this? And so Jesus tells this story in verse 41. He says, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Woo! Cancel the debt. We like that. Now, which of them will love him more? Well, Simon answered, well, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. That's got to feel good, right? Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet, you know, anoint my head with oil but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you her sins, which yes, her sins are many, hear this church, please hear this. Her sins, which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And they grumble, who is this man? He forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here's the idea, friends. We've all been forgiven in the billions. True? Do we want our sins on the screen right now? No, oh Lord, no. We've been forgiven in the billions and we drink in the grace, the mercy and the forgiveness. It does something to our hearts. It's why uh, Stephen in the early church is being stoned by people who hate his faith, who hate him, and he responds with grace saying, Father, forgive them, because he had drinking in this grace of Jesus Christ. As Reynolds mentioned, we were on staff retreat uh, this week, and our first night of staff retreat, um, we did this thing, we kind of, shared all of our life stories, um, the highs and the lows. It was a bit of a cry fest, so I loved it. And as we're sharing our stories, uh, the good things and the bad things, the central activator or hope was the grace of Jesus Christ in all of our stories. There was nobody's like, well, I was here and I pulled myself up and I did this. No. Most of the story said, I crashed here and Jesus in his grace picked me up. And then I'll tell you, we have some staff right now that are actively going through really hard things and are are suffering right now, but are saying things like, this is really hard, but Jesus is faithful and it's because they're drinking in the grace of Jesus Christ. Church, if we can learn to con this is the beauty of confessing our sins, isn't it? We don't boast in our, in our greatness, we share and revel and are unified in our weakness in his greatness, correct? And so as we learn to drink in this grace, our hearts are changed as a people. But, but, but there's not just that. Uh, Us heart people, it's not just the heart. Yes, a heart posture, I believe might be where it begins, but we must actually do something with this changed heart. This is where the hands come into play. Let's go to verse nine. And in this passage, we see kind of two real practical things that we do in the midst of hard that God can use. Look at verse nine. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. I want to stop here for just one second. If we are followers of Jesus, we do not get even. Does it make sense? I, I believe we've been discipled by the world that says vengeance is ours that we must always make things right or get things even. Our job is not that, friends. We have a God who will take care of all that. It's like my kids fighting with each other. I'll take care of it. Hayes, I'll take care of Hayes. Connor, Connor, Hattie, no hope. And so, but there is this sense that we have to trust the father in his goodness will take care of the wrong things in the world. Just a side note. Do not repay evil for evil. But on the contrary, bless. Followers of Jesus with a heart posture that that has drunk in the grace, we respond with cursing with blessing. We respond with cursing with blessing. Listen, we can't read this and not think about the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 that says, blessed are those who persecute you. This is a a practice. It's something that we actually have to do and to practice. See, our faith, I think many times we think our faith is two things. It's a believing thing that we believe and it's a thing that we feel too. But our faith is a doing faith. And if we were to respond to hate the way the world responds to hate, then we're no different than the rest of the world. And what's that say about our faith? That means we're darkness in the midst of darkness and not light in the midst of darkness. When, when something bad happens, when people treat you, here's a tough one, or someone you love unfairly, when you are persecuted for what you believe, try this, bless them, bless them. Right now in your mind, don't yell it out, or you can, I won't, I won't care, I probably won't know them. Think of the person right now that might be an enemy or, or the jerk who cut you off this morning, or, or, or the teacher who talked about your kid badly, or the boss you can't stand. Imagine that person, how could you bless them? How can we kind of zig when the world zags, right? Think about this, your car breaks down. There is nothing worse as an adult than, changing, than getting new tires, I believe. That's like the worst adult tax, it's $1,000 for like a little bit of a ride. And it's just the worst thing in the world. The, the light comes on, this happens. What if when that thing happens, we respond the way our friend Job responded? He gives, he takes away. But for me and my house, we're gonna say, blessed be the name of the Lord. I wanna sing this song so bad right now, but I can't sing. But if we learn, if we can learn the myths when that thing happens, if our first response is, God, help me to bless what is happening right now, to trust you to walk through this hard thing. Or, or maybe you take that car into the mechanic, right? You go in the mechanic and at the car place, the mechanic is dishonest. He says it's gonna be this much, you get a call later, we'll know it's actually this much. He kind of took you for a ride, he, he lied to you. The world says what? Vengeance is mine, says the world, right? Go after him, trash him, just, just, just kill him if you can. But what if the church, what if the people of God responded to the dishonest mechanic by blessing him, by praying for him, that God would open his eyes to the way of truth, to the way of Jesus, instead of just besmirching his name. Or maybe you're at the, you're waiting at the car mechanic's office and you're just reading your Bible. You're being like the best Christian in the world. You're reading Revelations. You're like doing the heart. You're reading Leviticus in your reading plan. You're sitting there and you're reading and you're praying for lost people. And then someone there makes a comment about the Bible is just full of hate. That, that faith, people in that faith just, they're the reason the world is the way it is because of their hate. See, I think too many times we adopt the ways of the world and we hear that and the person says that, and what do we do? We want to attack and we want to defend. What does Jesus say? He says to bless. What if we just smiled and we didn't engage in some verbal warfare at the car mechanic's office if we simply said, I'm sorry. And you prayed for that person that they would know the truth of the love of the savior. What if you blessed that person with love instead of hate? Bless those who revile you. See this is how the hands and the heart, they're connected. It's hard to be offended by others. When in your heart, you know, you've been forgiven of the greatest offense. At that point, they're all lesser offenses. Does it make sense? This is the point. Look at verse 13. And we see here this kind of other thought. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Who can harm us? If we've been forgiven the greatest offense, if we know where we're headed one day, who can truly harm us? But here's where it gets even sweeter as we can learn to bless those who curse us. Look at verse nine again, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called Friends, we are set apart. There's a standard for us that we are called to on the foundation of the work of Jesus. We're called to bless those who curse us. But look at this in that you may obtain a blessing. Oh, oh, you may obtain a blessing. Let's keep going, verse 10. Forever desire, this is from Psalm 34. Forever whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil. This is us watching our words in the midst of others who using their words to attack us. And his lips were speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil. Do not be like the world, turn and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. He sees us, he's watching us. His ears are open to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So hear this church, as we walk in the ways of the world and we curse those who curse us, what we're hearing here is that we're walking in the way of the world. And it's this separation of sin. But here's the blessing. We see here from Psalms, it's kind of talking about this good life. It's talking about, it says here, he sees us, he hears us. As we learn to bless those who curse us, we step deeper into relationship with Jesus. The good life, hear this, is further trust in God. It's lesser concerns with the world and it's being further in with him. And it only happens as we actually take the step of faith and bless those who curse us. We trust God enough to not be the avenger and let him be the avenger. We just trust him and we bless those who curse us. As we do that, we grow closer to Christ. We trust his goodness. We receive peace and joy and faith. He hears our prayers. And as we do, we are blessed with growth and more faith you become more loving church by actually doing the things that jesus said we should do it's not just learning it's not just feeling there is something supernatural hear this as we do we go deeper and deeper and deeper and as we live this life of blessing this settled trust in god's goodness here's what happens we begin to stick out like a sore thumb in a cancel culture world, right? We become the loving people. We become the light in the midst of darkness. And then Peter gives us the second way that we use our hands. The second way that we practice this in the midst of hard things. Look at verse 15. But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord as holy. Here it comes. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. We live as light, we stick out and the world should notice. And here's what he's saying, church, be ready to share your why. Be ready to share your why. I think this is most applicable to two groups of people in our lives. Our close coworkers and our family. Our close coworkers and our family. Where I see my own soul and even us in this room that we become like the rest of the world is with our coworkers and our family, the way we respond to each other the way we gossip about others who hurt us. As we begin to live in a different way, I believe the world, those people in our lives that are far away from God will take notice. Hear this church, this is how we live as missionaries in a religious, vengeful culture. People might know the idea of Jesus. They had not seen the ways of Jesus lived out in a real way with real people. And as we bless those who curse us, and as we share our why, we stick out like the sore thumb. We are light in the dark room. And so what this means is as we live this different way and the person asks us, well, why would you say that? Well, you share that story. Well, here's the real reason why. When I was 26 years old and I blew it and I let down everybody I knew, the only thing, thing that was there was Jesus. And that why is powerful. That why can change the direction of a person's life. That why can change a workplace. That why can change your family's legacy. That why can change our city. But friends, hear this. We must live the why and share the why. Everything else is kind of just games. Let's keep going. I'm gonna watch on, so I don't know what time it is. Oh, I'm good. So we let the gospel invade our hearts. We begin to practice blessing those who don't wanna hear it, who wanna revile us, who want to persecute us. And we get tired. I will tell you, I think this is, might be where I am the weakest in my walk. Is I get tired and I get cynical, that change can really happen. Does that make sense? So Peter here concludes this section and he encourages us to go to the head, uh, to the mind. And, And when we talk about the head, it's primarily about remembering. It's remembering, it's meditating, really on primarily one thing, remembering and meditating on what Christ did for us. Let's go to verse 18, 18. about to get weird guys. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. I'm with you. That he might bring us to God. Yes. And amen. This is the gospel being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Yes. And amen. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Okay. It's confusing because they formerly did not obey. I'm more confusing. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is eight persons were brought safely through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you. Not as removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers having been subjected to him. There's a lot there to say the least. As I was studying this week, uh, John Calvin, a, a guy a bit smarter than me, uh, literally said he has no idea what this verse means. He just gave up studying it because he couldn't figure it out. And so um, here we go. Um, <laughs> thank you, Sam. And this passage is, is a confusing passage, one of the most in, in all of scripture. So as Peter is Peter saying here that Jesus went to hell after his death and before his resurrection, in my study, I don't believe that's what we're talking about here. And without getting too stuck in the weeds on this and walking through every view that is out there, I think Peter's making a pretty straightforward point. And here's the point, remember what Jesus did. Remember what Jesus did. So as you have this heart posture, as you bless those who curse you, to not grow weary, remember what Jesus did. First thing we see here, he suffered. Jesus suffered. I think this is so hard for us. I've said it a million times already, but, but suffering and hard things are not They are normal in the Christian life. We have to learn to get a bit tougher, uh, to realize that suffering is a part of our faith. And that if suffering happens, it doesn't mean that we are doing something wrong. It means something's wrong with the world. And we shouldn't try to fix the things around us, but go to the unshakable hope inside of us so we can persevere in the midst of the world. So he's saying, remember that Jesus suffered. Second, remember that he preached to people who mocked him. And this is where it gets a bit confusing because verse 19 speaks to spirits in prison and then he jumps into this account of Noah. But here is the reason for this. It's because Peter is saying that the spirit of Jesus, which is really the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus was the one who empowered Noah to preach to the pagans before the flood. This is the same point that Peter makes in chapter one of this book. Go to verse 10 in chapter one. Peter says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. They searched, they acquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ, that spirit of Christ again, he says, and them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. See, the spirit of Christ was fully alive with the prophets of old, with, with Noah, with Isaiah, with Ezekiel, with these old prophets. Now, they do not fully understand the full length of the promise and the picture of the prophecies. We see this even with, with Peter, right? As Jesus confesses that Peter is the Messiah and Jesus says, and this is, this is he confesses this before there's a cross and resurrection. He sees his life, his, he confesses this. And Jesus says, Peter, well done. I'm gonna build my church on you, the rock. And Peter's like, that's right, buddy, that's me. And, and then Jesus says, literally like a paragraph later, well, you know, I'm gonna to have to die and suffer the sins of the world. And Peter says, because Peter, he knows the prophecies. He knows the spirit of Christ and empowered Noah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. He knows these words, but they cannot understand the idea of a suffering Messiah. And he says, no, you will never die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because he didn't fully understand it. So in short, here it is. The spirit of Jesus was with Noah. When he preached, when when Noah was mocked and persecuted, it was just like forerunner, of the ministry of Jesus. Just as when Jesus was in the flesh, he preached, he was mocked. Peter was reminding them, reminding us that as they preach and they are persecuted, that the spirit of Christ is alive and at work in them. He is reminding them this is the norm. Hear this church. The gospel is offensive. If it's not offensive, it's a wrong gospel church because the gospel says that we are hopeless, that we are full of sin and we have one hope and we can't do it. That's an offensive message. The persecuting of the gospel message is the norm. So we see that he suffered. We see he preached to people who mocked him. And we see here in this passage on baptism that he made them clean. Ever have those days where, so I had a break um, past few weeks and the purpose of the break was for me to kind of uh, rest Get ready for this next season of ministry, and uh, start my break. trace went out of town. Had some great time with the kids. We were resting, and then uh, we're getting ready to move. And I had my friend Christian come over, and we were in the attic doing some work. Um, I was in a great mood. I was like, "Man, this is so!" I'm like, i like dancing, work, and I'm feeling it. And then I go and pick up something. I stumble, fall through some sheetrock, catch myself, break my wrist. I'm in a funk for like four, like a week. Um, and I just, uh, in the midst of the funk, you tend to, to the, the sin compounds sin, doesn't it? So when you're like mad at God and your kid wants a caprice son, you yell at your kid. That makes sense? And, and the sin compounds and it compounds and it compounds. And, and the feeling that you feel is you feel dirty, don't you? And what Peter is saying here is that through the work of Jesus, like we are clean. Like we are whole, we're on an unshakable foundation. And so when you get tired, when you get weary, remember that he has made you clean. And fourth, to not forget, I'll read it again here in verse 22. Who has gone into heaven and he's at the right hand of God with the angels, with the authorities and the powers having been subjected to him. So he suffered, he was mocked, but today he reigns. And what he is saying is church in the midst of life, hard things are coming, they are coming and we're going to be mocked and we're going to suffer. We're gonna look weird for our faith, but, but hear this one day we'll be sitting with Jesus and the reigning King. So do not give up hope when things seem dark. If you're struggling now, the day's coming that things will get better. He will finish the work that he has started in you. These are glorious things to dwell and think on. When you're weary from the hard things in this world, remember our king also suffered. Remember persecution is the norm. Remember we're now clean. Remember that he reigns. Remember we can walk through hard things, church. Hard things can actually be good things as we drink in the grace and our hearts are changed. As we actually practically bless those who curse us and we share our why. As we remember and meditate on all that Christ did for us as people, we can walk through hard things that can be good things. But this only happens, this was a bit frustrating, as we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. But you know what's encouraging? Think about the guy who wrote 1 Peter, the apostle Peter. When Jesus said that Jesus was about to die as a sacrifice, Peter's heart wasn't correct. And he told Jesus that he was wrong. Now, when persecutors came at Jesus, he did not respond correctly. He cut off their ear. He didn't bless those who persecuted When people asked him about this hope he had, about following Jesus, he denied his hope. He denied him. This same man is writing these words to us today. The words of his rabbi. It took time for those words to become real to Peter. For Peter to live those words out. So if you're here today like, Jason, I'm just beat down and I'm just tired. I want you to hear this. As Reynolds said earlier, he's a good shepherd. He will finish the work that he has started. Our role is to participate with him in the work that he is doing. Here's three ways I wanna encourage you to work with God to see this transformed in your life. The first in your heart, to have this posture of kindness, of unity, here, I encourage you to do this week, write down your story and how God was there in your life. Take it, write a paragraph, write two paragraphs. Maybe just write down some events in your life where you saw that God literally rescued you, that God forgave you and no one else would forgive you, that God was there at your lowest. Remind yourself of what God has done in your life. Write down your story. Second, with your hands. That's the hard part. Find ways to bless people that are hard to bless. Listen, church, we're not persecuted right now, but we might be in 10 years. So let's practice with the easy thing. Practice the guy who cuts you off in traffic now. Practice with the person at your workplace. But practice blessing those who are hard. And with your head, I would encourage you meditate on Matthew 5 through 7 this week, on this countercultural way of Jesus. Read it over and over and over and over and over again and meditate on the words of Jesus. And as we combine this work in our heart, in our head, in our hands, we'll see this transformation. And we can become a people that when hard things come, we walk with real joy and real peace and real hope. Let me pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the hope for the hopeless. Father, let your good news right now be real to us, wash over us, Lord. Let it lead us to repentance. Let it, let it lead to a changed heart, to changed hands and a renewed mind, Father. So Father, uh, make our next step clear. Give us the courage and the faith to follow through. We love you, Jesus. I pray all this in your name. Amen. We're gonna now move to a time of communion. What greater picture of when things seem really dark of the goodness and the power of God and how we can walk with joy in the midst of the heart. So uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know member remember our church, uh, this is for you. Come and take the bread that it reminds you that there was a broken body for you because of your sin. Remind yourself of the, of the juice, of the poured out of his blood to cover your sins. That he made a new way so we could walk in joy. So I'd encourage you to, at your seat to take time with God and walk with him. We have some prayer team in the back. You wanna pray with somebody as we're doing this? Come when you're ready.